Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. Today, it's on. Today, is that on? Okay. Today, the scripture is about John the Baptist. And as luck would have it, I have a story, kind of. 40, 45 years ago, I was helping out down at Pilgrim Park with a camp for a confirmance, and my daughter Lori was there too as a confirmant. The leaders were making this as realistic as possible when they were telling his story. There was a minister in Harmony, a little town maybe 20, 30 miles northwest of here, who was helping out too. Dan was a big man in every way. He was over six feet tall and probably over 250 pounds. He had curly black hair and a curly black beard and really dark eyes, dark, dark eyebrows, the whole thing. As we were kind of meandering along the dusty road, it was around dusk, just kind of chatting, you know, how you do with all the kids. And all of a sudden, out of the woods, ran this huge man with a bearskin costume with sandals on, a big club in his hand, and yelling loudly, you vipers, you sinners, put the fear of God into all of us. When we finally calmed down, he invited us to sit around a campfire, and he told us his story, his story of being John the Baptist. Honestly, this is something you don't forget, and Lori hasn't forgotten it either. Dan made John the Baptist very real to all of us, adults as well as children. Well, here's the scripture where John is introducing Jesus from John 1, 29 to 42. The next day, John saw Jesus coming to him and said, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me, but he is much greater than I am because he existed before I was born. I didn't know who he would be, but I came baptizing with water in order to make him known to the people of Israel. And John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from heaven and stay on him. I still didn't know that he was the one. But God, who sent me to baptize with water, had said to me, you will see 
the Spirit come down and stay on a man. He's the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen it, said John, and I tell you that he is the Son of God. May God's blessing be added to the reading, the hearing, and the keeping of his holy word. We will remember that John and Jesus were related. Now this isn't the John that he said to Mary, that Jesus said to Mary, this is your mother, this is your son. It's a different John, John the Baptist. Before Jesus was crucified, John got in trouble with King Herod, and Herod had him beheaded. They did a lot of beheading back in those days. John always made sure that everyone knew that he was not the Christ. There's one coming who is so much better than I. John did baptize, and he even baptized Jesus at Jesus' request. But he always insisted, I am not even worthy to tie the leather laces on the sandals of his feet. In the accounts of John the Baptist, Jesus asked the people, who do you say that I am? And what do you want? Jesus wasn't just merely idly asking, what do you want? He truly wanted to know, what do you want from me? And I think that he asks that from us even today. What do you want from him? I read an article where this guy had received three speeding tickets in one year. And guess what? He had to go to driving school. And he wasn't real happy about it. First day, the instructor asked him, as the, he did the whole class, where do you live? What do you do? And why are you here? And this guy said, well, my name is Mike, and I drive too fast. After the, after the class was over, the instructor approached him personally and asked him, why are you here? And he said, well, the first time I was going to know really, why are you here? Where are you going in such a hurry? Why were you speeding? Where did you have to go that you had to get there so quickly? You know, at the end, <laughs> there's just a grave waiting for you. Why not slow down and enjoy the ride? Well, I got three speeding tickets, so I have to be here. No, really, why are you here? Where are you going in such a hurry? Well, the first time 
No, where are you going in such a hurry? Ah, he meant in life. I had no words. And he said, life is short. Take your time and enjoy it, he said. Honestly, there's just a grave waiting for you down at the end of that road. Ouch. Now he was bringing up my mortality. The article goes on to read, Then he pastored me. What are you looking for? I had heard that question before, but now it took on new meaning. What was I looking for in life that caused me to move so frantically through the world? I went home and I looked up John 1. Two disciples followed Jesus and they turn and ask, and he turns and asks them, what are you looking for? There it was. In my head, Jesus' voice took on the tone of my t that teacher, pastor, to deadbeat dangerous drivers like me. It's a good question. Maybe it's the question. When somebody shows up here in church for the first time, what are they looking for? Direction? Meaning? Hope? Something spiritual? And will they find it? When an unchurched couple asks to be married in the church, what are they looking for? A reminder of the sacred? Maybe a blessing for this long journey they're about to embark on? To start on the right foot? When someone, someone's trying to decide on a job change or a career change, what are they looking for? In John's Gospel, Jesus always shifts from small talk to the deeper question. A woman's talking about water, and Jesus shifts the conversation to spiritual thirst. Nicodemus asks how one can be born a second time from the womb, and Jesus starts talking about spiritual rebirth. The crowd marvels that Jesus can give sight to a blind man. And Jesus starts talking about spiritual blindness. How many times have we missed the deeper question behind the question? What are you looking for in life? Indeed, what makes life worth living to for you. We audaciously claim that it's about relationships between God and neighbor. When we come to the end of our earthly journey, there are few possessions, if any, that we will say 
made our life worthwhile. It will be the relationships, the love we gave and received. Like the disciples in John, perhaps we hope following Christ might keep us focused on what matters. Where are you staying? Jesus' disciples ask, literally, where do you abide? Where do you dwell, Jesus? We want to be there wherever it is. Come and see, Jesus responds. Abide in my love. That's what I'm looking for. Show me the way. And the man goes on to say, I still speed. I don't know why I'm wired to barrel through life. Every time the needle shows that I'm going too fast, I remember that driving instructor. And then I hear Jesus asking in his voice, what are you looking for? And I was watching a movie the other night where the angel asked the beleaguered guy, what is it that you want? What do you really want? Your wants are so scattered, God can't make sense of them. What is your priority in life? God was really asking him, should your priority in life be your family, who you've been neglecting? Is your marriage important to you? Are your children as important to you as your work? That's a good question for all of us, too. Here at the first of a new year, it might be time for all of us to slow down a bit and think about our priorities, to think about what it is that we really want. Come and see. Here's an invitation we need to extend. What are we all about? Well, come and see. It's hard to explain what we believe, why we do what we do. So we extend the invitation, just like Jesus did. Come and see, come and experience. And I recently read, when we come to John's Gospel, we find it opening just like the book of Genesis with the words, in the beginning. And while John seems more a theologian, theologian than a storyteller, his narrative races along. And at every turn, somebody receives a new name. John calls Jesus, the Lamb of God, while the disciples may call him rabbi or teacher. But soon, some are calling him something more. They're calling him Messiah, the Anointed One. Jesus returns the favor, declaring that Simon is now to be known as Cephas or Peter. 
And as any Native American could tell you, naming ceremonies are important. They signify a new creation. In this case, the church, full of us flawed people who will bear the name of Christian. Isaiah has told us, listen and pay attention. And the psalmist asks, did you ever find the strength to sing a new song when you were in the pit? Or perhaps you were standing on the banks of a muddy river and discovered there the river of life? How is this possible? What has come into the world so that it can happen? It's not answers that matter here. It's the invitation that we have, that we hope that we have the grace to hear. Come and see. I, like many of you, have spent quite a bit of time down at Pilgrim Park, our denomination's church camp. It's hard, it's hard to explain sometimes what goes on down there. We slow down. The women will take their knitting or crocheting and sit around together talking or listening to others talk. We learn a lot about each other, sure. But we hear how somebody else gardens or how they may make a favored chicken dish or they how they met with the funeral home director when a loved one died. Maybe how they took care of a loved one who had Alzheimer's. How they took care of a baby when they had the croup. Maybe get the name of a good doctor or dentist. Or maybe somebody to cut down a tree. And then there's the walks and talks around the park. Maybe with someone sharing secrets, sharing problems. Or maybe just by yourself. Amble across the swinging bridge and watch the water in the creek tumble along over the rocks. It's a chance out of our busy lives to stop and contemplate life. You need to come and see. It doesn't have to be at Pilgrim Park, though. Just whenever you have a chance to take a bike ride or a, take a walk by yourself or with some others, I frequently see men and women, my neighbors, taking the dog for a walk or running along the street getting some exercise while taking the opportunity to think things over. This downtime is needed, and you know it is. Don't think Jesus' invitation was just for those people of the olden days. It's for us today, too. Who are you? What do you want? Really? What do you want? Really? 
deep down deep, what do you want? And who do you want to be? Take some downtime and come and see. Amen. <laughs>